welcome back to My Best Friends in Engineer. I'm Libby. And I'm Lexi. And today we have a great episode for you guys. We interviewed at Cat Voltage um, and we talked all about how she is an electrical engineer. She works for NASA. She's done TV shows about being a woman in STEM. I mean, this was just such a cool conversation. Yes, we talked about everything from resume and internship advice to her being a little movie star, which is awesome. Working with Miranda Cosgrove. Yes, Miranda Cosgrove heard her voice memo. Stay stay tuned to find out more. Did you know that um, Miranda Cosgrove was on um, Forbes 30 Under 30 for like all the STEM stuff she's doing with Mission Unstoppable? Yeah. Um, But anyway, how's your week? Um, So tomorrow I'll be in the city for a little St. Patrick's Day thing. So it was spent buying all this stuff that I don't need. (laughs) And um, so also spent the week buying things I didn't need, but very chill week. Um, So you know what I've been trying to get into? What? <laughs> okay, I really like want to do like a fun oh, little workout she's a thing. Sporty girl. <laughs> and I we were supposed to go to Pilates Wednesday to like an intro class because there's like a rower that you use. I don't even know. I don't even know what Ooh. Pilates is. But she was like, we have to go somewhere with a rower, and I was like, what's I? Th- I thought rowing is CrossFit, but there's like a. I don't even know what it is, but like one of it, those machines. Like you, yes, yeah, for Pilates. But um, we were supposed to go Wednesday, but then she couldn't end up coming, and I was like, "Well, I don't want to do it alone. I want to be able to, like, do awkward looks, like have someone there." Yeah. Hard. <laughs> so yeah, but other than that, just it's just very chill. A lot of shopping, too much shopping, but. I posted a few TikToks about that. I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to get better. So we're just gonna, yeah, we're just gonna go it. for it. You, you've worked hard. <laughs> I saw the bag, the new bag you got, or bags you got with your bonus. Those are so <laughs> bags. Yeah. Thank you. We were. We, I ordered the third one too. Mm. Okay. But I, I, we're gonna, see, we're gonna think like about nice, it later. <laughs> I want to get a nice, like, um, like nice quality like nice bag you know like I feel like every girl just needs a nice bag yes and I mean I feel like I know what I will use over and over again and it will like I definitely need a brown one in general so we just kind of went a little bit crazy though with like ordering so many so Mm -hmm. you need options later decision but uh we need a few options of course but yeah how was your week okay so you are tan from Florida you did your little yes. Florida trip. You did your work trip. You did your solo trip. Tell us all about it. Um, the work trip was good. I um, I got back on – when did I get back? Oh, I got back Saturday night. Um, okay, so the work trip low-key was a little bit scary. But, okay, so I'm going to go off on a little tangent real quick just to explain a little bit of the story. It, it was not scary, but I put myself out there. And you and I recorded a podcast on Friday night, and I remember being like, okay – I am a grown adult. I need to get out. I need to get out in the town. Like, even though I'm alone, I really just, like, got to get over my fear of being alone and just, like, do it because I'm in a new place. So I go to this 
um, restaurant kind of gave me like B-dub style, like American bar and grill type of environment. And I sit at the bar and I'm in the bar is like a corner. So I'm sitting at the end of the corner. And then there are like, there's this couple that is like probably our parents age sitting like perpendicular to me. And, um, they were super friendly. They were maybe a little bit tipsy when I showed up. And, um, when I sat down, they were like, Oh, hi, how's it going? Like whatever we start talking. And this couple, first of all, they're Miami mergers. So they both went to Miami and they're from Ohio, right? Yeah. Yes. Our Miami. And yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah. So Miami mergers um, from Ohio, they said that right out of college, they moved down to West Palm beach where I was and they lived there for a little bit. And then they like moved back for the guy's work. And like now that both their kids go to college down in West Palm Beach. So that's why they moved back. So like crazy, right? And then the husband works in power generation, but on the gas turbine side, he works with so many of the different customers that I work with. So he was like, oh, why are you down here? And I was like, oh, I'm working with so-and-so customer. And he was like, that's one of my customers. And it it turns Mm. out that the, um, the power plant that I worked on last fall in Tennessee is one of his customers as well. So like, it was just one of those things where like, I wasn't even going to go out. I wasn't even like going to go out alone to get dinner. Like, you know, like I was just maybe going to get a Domino's pizza or something. I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know about being social. I did it anyway. I met these, this couple that I had so many things in common with. Um, and then it was funny. They were trying to get me to go out to like a club after, but I was like, mm, like, I don't know. I feel like that's where I drew the line because I was like, at a club, anything can happen. You know, like anyone can just like slip a little something in your drink when you're not looking, especially if you're alone. So um, they were like, okay, this is the club where like all the college kids go and it's more raunchy. And then this is the club. If you're looking for a nice young businessman, you got to go to this club and like all this stuff. And um, I ended up sneaking out like... I don't know. I think one of them went to the bathroom and I was like, oh, I gotta go because I'm so bad at confrontation and saying goodbye to people. But it was crazy. And I ended up meeting these really cool people. Very good. Well, it sounds excellent. It sounds. Mm-hmm. Time in. Got my beach time. How yeah. is it? Um, not really, because work trips are the type of thing where, like, you just don't sleep because there's a lot of, you know, bonding going on with your coworkers after a long day, you know, uh, some pool beers may or may not be involved and just cut catching up and like getting to know the people that you're like on the trip with, um, So usually after that, you go to your hotel room and you have like all the emails from the days, you know, the day that you were at the power plant to catch up on. And so not, not too much uh, in that regard, but yeah, it's, it's good to be back and um, chugging along, uh, chugging along with our, with our power plant outage. Um, Do we want to get into reading some of our reviews? Not give any update about work because I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
very proud of you. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> All right, I will go ahead and read this one from um, the person that left it. Their name is Step the Knee. And they, the title of this review is, love this podcast. I followed Libby for a while and I was so excited when she announced that she was making a podcast. I listen every Monday when the show comes out and I find it inspiring to help me get through college as a computer science major. Um, I cannot believe that we have fans that listen every Monday and I'm so excited that we're actually like impacting people's lives. I know. Sometimes I forget people listen. I'm like, people actually, like, consume this content. People are actually. Yeah, I love it. chemical friends but i'm like that's literally literal us twins like, literal so twins <laughs> yes love it and if you guys want to be featured um on one of the podcast episodes check out the um oh my god elsie just jumped on my lap go away elsie um check out the uh link in our bio <laughs> or or the show notes um for our google form it will explain everything that involves with submitting a review and don't forget once we hit 100 views reviews on the apple podcast we will be giving away a 100 visa gift card to one of you who have left a review yes we will be doing that all right shall we get into the interview we shall today we have an interview with kat do you want to give kind of a brief introduction of your background your content in general Sure. Yeah. My name is Kat. I am an electrical engineer. Um, I've worked on over five NASA missions, and I am currently doing a master's degree at Johns Hopkins University on electrical and computer engineering. I just couldn't get away from it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Let's start. Let's start right away. Let's get into it. What uh, made you want to pursue engineering? Like if, if you think back to high school or the early days of college, what, what started your passion? Yeah, you know, that's actually a really interesting topic for me because my grandpa on my mom's side was an engineer and my dad also was an engineer. And so a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, well, that's so cool. You had a lot of support. You had a lot of people who were rooting for you, people who really wanted you to be an engineer. But I come from a really traditional Mexican family. So what that means is that, yeah, they wanted someone in the family to be an engineer, but not a woman necessarily. So I actually faced the opposite where I was growing up and seeing my family do a lot of these really cool things. My dad had an entire workshop in the garage and I wasn't allowed in there. I wasn't allowed to touch anything. Um, He would give components to my brother and he would give books to my brother. And then later on, as the years went on and he saw that I really was interested in it, he kind of was giving me a little bit and teaching me a little bit, but it was still 
it was still a, a, a lot of pushback from him that I was getting a lot of comments saying, well, you don't actually want to do this, right? You don't really want to do this. This is, this is going to pass. I don't really think you're interested. So it was a lot of gaslighting into making me think that I didn't actually like it, which actually took a long time for me to try to mentally get out of that state. Even today, I still have some times where I mean, I have an entire workshop that I build just to hang out and to build things and to have fun. And I'll be sitting there and I'll just kind of think like, am I doing this for attention? Like what, you know, why am I doing this? Because it's still those things that they were telling me that I was, that's why I was doing it. And it's so hard to get that out of your mind. So you mentioned your family was a little more open as they saw that you, you know, had still had this interest. How do they feel about you being an engineer now? You're still in school. You're a master engineer now, almost. So. Yeah, my honestly, my mom has always been my biggest supporter. And I don't think I could have done this without her. Um, because while I was getting a lot of pushback from the men in my family, my mom was the exact opposite. She uh, married very young. Um, she wasn't able to get a college degree. And so her biggest wish for her daughters was that they get an education and that they don't ever have to rely on a marriage or on a man for financial stability. So for my mom, it didn't really matter what I chose to pursue as long as I was happy. It's what I wanted. It's what I liked. And I had something to fall back on, you know, in case anything happened in the future. Mm -hmm. um, because you are uh, so big in the social media space, um, growing up, I know you said you had your dad and your grandpa to look up to, but did you have anybody else in the mainstream media that you could look up to in the science space? You know, it's really interesting because I feel like for a lot of us women, we have to settle with men and male role models. We didn't really have a lot of female role models. And for me growing up, I kind of started to just look at it as, well, their work is what I admire. What they're doing is what I really admire. And I think it shouldn't matter that we don't look the same. It shouldn't matter that we that he's a man and that I'm a woman or, you know, at that time I was a girl. I was just really interested in the work that they were doing. Um, a really big one for me was Carl Sagan. I grew up watching a really old series called Cosmos that this scientist, he led. And actually, he's a really big inspiration for me even today because what he was able to do is not only be a scientist and be a really well-known figure in the science space, but he became really well-known in general as a science communicator. So through his show and through his work as a science communicator, he was able to reach so many different people who weren't necessarily interested in becoming scientists, but had that interest in science and in space. So I think that's something that I really looked up to, but still I kind of had this nagging thought of, well, I want to be that, but I want to be that for all of those little girls, all of those little Mexican girls who are at home hearing these things from people, from their family, from the people who are supposed to be the most important people in their life, that they don't belong here, that they shouldn't be doing this. 
I want them to look at me the way I looked at Carl Sagan and think, well, obviously you're not right because I can see her. I can see her up there and I know that I can do it too. So that's kind of really where all of that came from for me. It started at a very young age. Awesome. Were you involved in any, you know, engineering related or science related activities in high school? Um, or did you get your kind of engineering and science experience and exposure through your uh, dad and grandpa? Um, you know, for me, when I was in school, I was always interested in science and technology. Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, I was just so upset that we weren't really learning too much about space. So I stole my mom's information and signed up for like online astronomy classes under her name. That's amazing. <laughs> because I just wanted to learn more. Um, so that's the kind of kid that I was. Like I would give myself extra homework. Um, I would play teacher during vacations with my siblings and I would seriously sit them down outside and like give them math homework and give them science homework and teach them about the universe and so it's just I've just always been such a like strange kid when it comes to science and technology um it's never really been enough for me I always just needed more I remember I got in trouble one time because we print so first of all ink is expensive we know this um but I would essentially go online and print out full page photos of all of the different planets and their moons and put them in a binder. And my dad would get so pissed at me because it would be the planet and then like the entire black background. <laughs> oh my and it would be so wet and like stinky after it was done. <laughs> but I was so proud and I would put it in my binder and I would write little facts like Mars is, the Mars temperature gets to be this, it gets to be this hot, it gets to be this cold. My favorite moon is this one. Um, so yeah, I, I have just carried this forever. And you know, when, when I got to high school, it was a really interesting time for me because I was battling these goals that I had and also these um, different interests that I had with wanting a like, normal social life. <laughs> so for me, we had at my high school, we had a few clubs that were like robotics and science based. Um, we had math leads, but I was really embarrassed to join them. So I kind of let that take over and I didn't join any of them. I went to a few meetings and I remember after one of them, I walked outside and like some kid saw me walk out of the robotics club and just started making fun of me. So I was just like, I'm never coming back here ever again, um, which is yeah. another thing that I feel like, I don't know, a lot of us really have to deal with being that nerd, right, in high school. And mm -hmm. then we graduate and it's like, well, shoot, none of that really matters. Like, people think I'm cool now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing a trend between, you know, you love astronomy and then you've worked at NASA and have so much experience. So it's, it's cool to see that interest, how, you know, you carried that throughout high school, college and your career as well. Yeah. So um, kind of transitioning into your college experience, you mentioned that you have all this interest with astrology and planets and all this stuff. 
What made you decide to choose electrical engineering over something like aerospace engineering? Yes, um, I love that question because something that I decided I wanted to do from very early on is mix as many of my interests together into my career. And mm -hmm. for me, electricity has always completely fascinated me. I was definitely always playing with it. I would get electrocuted all the time um, and then get super curious about how that happened, why that happened. And I think for me, when I would look at some of our electronics and I would open them up, I remember one time my brother who does not take care of electronics at all, um, he completely shattered his iPhone to the point where you could see the circuit board inside. And I was like, okay, can I see that? Like, let me borrow that real quick. And I just started looking at everything. And I just, I wanted to know how is it that a regular person, someone like you and me can sit themselves down, put components together and create a computer or create a digital camera, mm -hmm. a monitor, you know, it was just so fascinating to me. And it kind of seemed to me like one of the most complicated things in our modern world and if there's one thing I love, it's a good challenge. So I just became obsessed with learning how to do it and learning how to do my own. My goal was I want to be at the level where I could, if I wanted to, build a phone or build a computer. Um, but at the same time, like you mentioned, I had that interest in space, in astronomy, um, in physics. So... I wanted to just merge as many things as I could together. And my biggest goal was I wanted to work at NASA. And I know that every single spacecraft needs to have an electrical system. It has electronics. It has instruments which require electronics. It has a computer. So that's something that I think a lot of people don't really think about when they think about wanting to work in the space industry is that it's not just aerospace engineers working on spacecraft. You have all kinds of engineers and all kinds of scientists coming together to work on something like this. So if you are someone who's interested in the space industry, know that you don't have to become an aerospace engineer to work on something like that. I love what you said about like the phone and monitors and technology and stuff, because I feel like it's something that everybody has and like uses in their hands every day, but almost like a mystery, a modern mystery. Nobody really knows how they work. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you differ from other candidates when you were applying for these internships at NASA? And how do you think, you know, what skills do you have as an intern that allowed you to get that full-time offer? Yes, perfect. Uh, I definitely want to talk about this because what I started doing, I 100% know that it set me apart because then when I became a hiring manager um, for a project that I was on, well, not a manager, but like a lead engineer, we were looking for those same things. So what I started doing is that I started studying while I was still a college student how to use the actual professional softwares that were being used in industry for circuit board design, um, because that's what I really wanted to focus on. But when you're a student, you're using a lot of these softwares that are just free. Um, they're not very good. They're kind of just learning tools. 
but no real engineer out in the industry is going to sit down and use one of these softwares. So what I started doing is I started, um, I had a whole summer basically where I was working at McDonald's during the day uh, cause you know, I still had bills to pay. And then in the <laughs> afternoons, I was teaching myself how to use these softwares. Um, so that's kind of how I spent my entire summer. I did all of the tutorials I could find. I read all of the guides that I could find. I did my own projects out of older circuits that I had already done in, in other classes. And I taught myself how to design circuits like a professional engineer. And now before that, when I didn't have that experience, I actually hadn't gone an internship that summer. And after having that experience and adding it to my resume, I immediately started applying. And I actually got an internship, an early internship at JPL for the, I believe it was around March. So it was even before the summer that I was able to get mm -hmm. this internship for. Um, and the, the biggest reason was that, that when you have an internship and you have 10 weeks and you're going to be doing something like a circuit design, if they were to take the time to teach you how to use the software first, which you have to use because that's the software that is, you know, used professionally, it would probably take the entire length of the internship because that's how complicated some of these softwares can be. And the fact that they didn't have to spend that time teaching me in complete depth how to use all of that. They could just kind of quickly go over a few things and I could just pick it up and get to work. That really made the difference. And the reason why I know that that really does make the difference is because later on, when we were looking to hire interns for a project, that's exactly what we were looking for. We didn't have a lot of time. Um, we were gonna have an internship for about, I think it was just 10 or 11 weeks. We knew that this project was actually going to be really complicated and we needed basically this person to start working on it day one. So we looked for people who already had that experience and, you know, it was actually surprising how few there actually were. So if there's anything that I can recommend for you, you're looking for an internship and you're an engineer is to start looking into the industry you want to get into and ask around what is it that they're using professionally not just for circuit design i mean this applies to mechanical engineering as well um, if there's any cad Definitely. design any modeling that's going on what are the softwares that they're using and a lot of these companies actually offer student licenses to these professional softwares so that you can get started on learning how to use them and put them on your resume and put the names of the softwares on your resume Definitely. As a student, how did you realize that, you know, teaching yourself these softwares was going to help obtain an internship? Did you have a mentor or did you kind of speak to your career services at school or is this something um, you kind of just were doing research on your own and just realized that that would help? So the way that I found out about this is actually by looking at the job postings. When you're looking at job postings, you can see what the required skills are. And I was noticing that for a lot of entry level jobs, they were still requiring knowledge of a lot of these softwares. And so I thought, okay, well, if I'm supposed to know this for an entry level position, then I need to start learning this now. Um, 
And I mean, mm -hmm. it, it definitely really paid off. I was actually, I was pretty much doing engineer level work still as an intern because they didn't really have many people like up and coming engineers specifically working on circuit design who had the level of experience with it that I did. So when I was able to get started, I kind of just skyrocketed up and was able to learn so much faster, also being taught by them, but also every project that I was getting, it was just getting more challenging and more advanced. So by the time I finished my internship, I already had a good year of experience as an actual engineer, no longer as an intern. That's awesome. That's great advice. You mentioned that uh, before you had the internship, you know, you were kind of doing this uh, research on your own to see how you could get a leg up. We're now entering kind of like the end of your college years. Uh, I know this is a question that sometimes we get. How did you know how to uh, format your resume to show off these skills to stand out amongst all the applicants? Yeah, resumes are really hard. And I think that something that a lot of women specifically do that I've also noticed from reading a few resumes myself is that we like to be really humble um, yeah. <laughs> and men are not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I knew, I knew that I was competing with resumes of men who were not being humble and actually were inflating their skills a little bit. Now, I wasn't comfortable mm -hmm. with lying and I'm not, obviously I'm not condoning lying on your resume at all, but it's important to recognize your worth and to recognize the complexity of your projects. So for example, I noticed that I, part of the reason why I hadn't really gotten any offers for internships um, for a while while I was at UCLA is that I was doing these exact same things. I had things on my resume that said, designed a circuit board for blah, blah, blah project. Okay, mm -hmm. like, so what? What does that mean, you know? What's the complexity <laughs> yeah. of this circuit board? That doesn't tell anybody whether I actually know what I'm doing. For all they know, it's a homework assignment um, when really it was a, for example, like a 16 layer board with, it took me, 50 hours to even design and it's like this crazy thing that's going to go on a spacecraft but all you're saying is designed a circuit board so that's the first mm -hmm. lesson that i had to learn that the people who are reading your resume don't know what you did and you have to tell them but you don't have to just tell them you have to explain the detail um, the complexity, the, the amount of work that you did, the responsibilities that you had, the leadership that you showed during this project, all of those different things needed to go on the resume. And once I was also able to incorporate all of that and figure out that I was really selling myself really short, um, because I felt like I, to me, it felt like, well, this isn't that complicated. This isn't really that much. This isn't, um, this isn't really that crazy of a project. And I would end up just really talking down within my resume. Once I changed all of that is when everything changed for me. 
So I wanted to ask a little bit more about your master's program, um, kind of just the background about it. How did you know you wanted to pursue a master's? Exactly, you know, what type of master's did you want? Did you know that you wanted to do a master's in electrical engineering from the beginning, or were you kind of considering other options? Um, and then are you also working well in school? Yeah, so, well, when I applied for my master's degree, I cried for like two days because I just didn't know whether, <laughs> I, I just didn't know what to do, honestly. <laughs> like, I didn't know whether I was going to continue working while doing it. I didn't know if I, if I was going to dedicate myself to it full time. I didn't know if I was even going to get in. I applied, I think, to, I think I only applied to one school. Now that I think about it because I didn't want to do the GRE. <laughs> so um, John Hopkins, which is the school that I'm going to, they didn't require the GRE, but they also had the only program that I was actually genuinely interested in because for master's degrees, when you want to specialize, it gets a little harder. Not all universities have the type of, not just a degree, but the type of like emphasis within that degree that you want to take. So a lot of the schools mm -hmm. that I was looking into, they didn't have it at all. Um, so it was kind of like this perfect mix at Johns Hopkins, but it was also really scary because it was the only place I applied to. And I was just like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Um, so thankfully I ended up getting in. <laughs> Otherwise that would have been really embarrassing. <laughs> um, but essentially what I ended up doing is I did work full. So I was working full time. Um, I was going to school part time and I was also doing all of my other work, which is my social media work. And then I also do a lot of work with um, like, for example, TV shows. I do different mm -hmm. segments for electricity for a show called Mission Unstoppable. I recently filmed for another new show and I'm also the co-host of a YouTube series for Netflix called Netflix IRL. So I'm very busy. Um, and I did do that for one <laughs> semester and I'm not going to lie to you guys. I ended up in the hospital. Like it was just way too much. The stress was so oh, wow. overwhelming. Um, so I ended up talking to my supervisor at work and just kind of letting him know like, Hey, I have this degree. I have this other work. Um, it's been really difficult for me to keep up with everything. I was able to get a scholarship also for my master's degree, which completely changes everything um, because then I no longer have to, you know, continue working to either pay for it or for them to pay for it. And then I owe them a certain amount of years. So we agreed mm -hmm. that I could take some time off. Um, and essentially my job is there as soon as I am done. So I'm focusing on trying to get that done and trying to work on everything else at the same time and just, you know, just managing because I'm a very busy person. <laughs> um, I was just going to ask, did you, um, how long did you work uh, before pursuing a master's? I worked for, hmm, I graduated in 2019 and then I started my master's degree the fall of last year. So it was definitely, a, you know, a bit of time. I took more than a gap year. And I think that it was the right choice, honestly, because if I had gone straight into the master's, I wouldn't even have known what I wanted to do. That's something that I found mm -hmm. out through 
my work and already having an established career. And to be honest with you, I didn't even really need it, which is something else that a lot of people ask me, which is why did you even do this when you already were, you know, you had a job, you're working at NASA, you're working on these really big projects. They're trusting you with a lot of responsibility. You're lead engineer on multiple things. Why did you do that? But I mean, when we really think about what I already told you guys about like who I am as a person, I just love to learn. And if I can mm -hmm. continue to learn for free because I have a scholarship, why the heck am I not going to do it? I mean, we have one life. And for me, what I find joy in is in learning and developing new skills and expanding my skills. So to be honest, if I could just like go to school for the rest of my life, I would do it. <laughs> kind of going back to your experience at NASA, um, just kind of scrolling through your Instagram and your different social medias. I know you, you have been a part of different NASA missions. Can you um, at a high level kind of explain your role or involvement with these different missions at NASA? Yeah. So the first NASA mission that I ever worked on was actually the Perseverance Rover, which is so cool. I mean, like how, how cool is it that I got to work on a mission like that while I was still an intern? Um, this mission was really, really exciting for a lot of reasons, but what a lot of people don't know is that these missions get worked on for so many years. So for example, when I started working at JPL, I think it was about 2018, um, and then the rover launched in 2020. So by the point that I started working, like most of the work was already done. And they're already, you know, in the last stages of putting it together and testing it and getting it ready for launch. So all of the design, um, all of the work on the instrumentation, work on testing computers, work on testing, all of that was already done. And in a normal world, if things went as planned, I wouldn't have been able to work on it. So what ended up happening is that in order to test the robotic arm, they needed a last minute circuit to implement into their test equipment. Um, so I got to work on that project because they were already so busy with trying to get everything back on track that I was able to work on this. And it was one of the coolest days of my life because we have this circuit um, that is like freshly printed, freshly assembled, like on an emergency uh, that we sent it out and I'm bringing it in, in my hands. I'm walking into the lab, the robotic arm, which is huge, is mounted on a stand by itself. And I'm just walking in here like, oh, hey guys, here it is. They take it from my hands. <laughs> here they it pop is. pop it into their test equipment. <laughs> and like testing was supposed to start that day. So I was just like, oh my goodness, this is really weird. I'm just a, like, I'm just a student. What is this? <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, that's one of the really cool things about JPL, right? That you, as a student, are working on really real and cool things. You're not just given a random project that nobody's going to touch, nobody's going to look at. You're given real work, and your work is important from the beginning. Um, so that's that was one of my introductions to JPL. Um, after that, I've worked on a few other missions. Uh, I worked on some test equipment for the Psyche mission, which is going to an asteroid. Um, I 
the longest mission I worked on is called Europa Clipper, which is an orbiter that's going to Jupiter, but it's going to investigate its moon Europa. This moon actually is our biggest possibility for possible conditions suitable for life. So it's a really exciting mission. And I was actually able to be the test lead for the test equipment group for this mission. Um, so my job essentially was to, so basically what we do when you're going to test a computer for a spacecraft is you only have the computer and you don't have the spacecraft. So how do you test a computer without the spacecraft? Well, we build a spacecraft, a fake spacecraft, um, which is what I was working on. We have, they kind of just look like server racks, but inside is complete simulations of all of the instrumentation, um, all of the mechanical components, wow. if there's going to be like any uh, solar panels, if there's going to be any movable parts, if there any instruments, any cameras, we simulate absolutely everything within these racks. Um, so first, you know, we, we design them. Um, if there's any circuit boards that need to be done, then we take care of that. There's the software aspects. We work with software engineers. And my job after that was essentially to test the entire rack system. Um, and then it was kind of like my baby. I would deliver it to the lab where they're testing the computer with it. And, you know, I was like the mom that gets called when the, the kid is, is acting up. <laughs> if it's not working or anything's yeah. like not really going as planned, then I'm the one that goes in there. Um, nobody knows yeah. this, this this simulation better than me. So there I go. Like, all right, what's going on? Turn it on and off. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right. Unplug so, it. So yeah, I was able to work on a lot of different projects. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was able to work on a lot of different projects. And I think the coolest thing is that I was able to work on a lot of different things. I was able to work on the mm -hmm. actual circuit design. I was able to work on the testing side. I was able to work on the troubleshooting side. Um, I was able to write scripts in Python to test out the software side. So it was a really cool job where you're able to learn how to do everything. So you mentioned as an intern and as a student, you were working on these very um, you know, significant projects, what advice would you give to, you know, another student or maybe someone who's entering their first role that will be dealing with these projects that projects that are kind of intimidated or are already dealing with, you know, imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think my biggest advice for these students would be to start taking a challenge as a positive thing. Um, I think a lot of us are terrified of not knowing what to do and not knowing how to do something, which is natural. But if you really think back at your entire trajectory up to today, has there really been a project or something that you didn't eventually figure out how to do? If you really set your mind to it and really wanted to do it, then I can guarantee you that I am 100% sure you were eventually able to do it. So what I recommend is for you to really let it sink in when you're having those thoughts of, I can't do this. I'm not going to finish this. I'm not good enough for this. Remember those thoughts because once you do end up finishing it and once you do figure it out and you complete that project, I want you to think back to those thoughts again 
and realize that that wasn't true. And now next time that you have a project and those thoughts are coming up and you're thinking that way again, I want you to remember, well, last time that I was thinking like this, it wasn't true and I was able to do it. So why would this time be any different? And that's how I've been able to continue and how I've been able to keep accepting challenges. I now will get a project and I have no idea how to do it. And that's exciting to me because that means that I'm going to learn something. So start looking at it that way. It's not, I don't know how to do this. I'm not good enough for this. It's how cool that I'm about to learn something new that I didn't know how to do before. Awesome. I like that mindset. Um, So we briefly talked about your social media content. Um, Can you talk more about your Netflix shows and and everything that you previously mentioned? Yeah. So like I said, uh, Carl Sagan was one of my biggest inspirations and particularly his TV show and the way that he was able to bridge that gap between the science side and kind of like the mainstream side when it came to science communication. Um, And that's something that I have always been really interested in when it comes to engineering, but particularly electricity and electrical engineering, because I feel like a lot of people are really scared of it. And even other engineers are really scared of it. I know for a lot of mechanical engineers um, and like materials engineers who have to take classes in electrical engineering, Like I've talked to a few of them who say like, this is the worst thing I've ever had to do. I hated it. Um, I can't And like, I get you, you know, I understand you. (laughs) I understand you. It's terrible. That's another, like that's a conversation for another day because I honestly think that the way that they shove so much content into one class for you guys is absolutely insane. Like what you guys have to learn Mm -hmm. in one class we learn over like three, four classes and we like, we die through it. You know, we're not having fun either. We're having a really hard time. So, you know, that's, that's another thing. That's not okay. But I think that's part of the reason why I really love to do the work that I do because I want to show people who have been terrified of this field and sometimes rightfully so are terrified of the field that it's not that bad and it's not that scary. And it is really challenging. It is really hard, but it's also really exciting and it can be really fun. So that's kind of why I started reaching out. Um, This is something that I did myself. If you're interested in doing something like this, like you don't have to wait for somebody to reach out to you. You can open up those doors for yourself, Um, which is another thing that I really like to just live by that I'm not going to wait for somebody to hand me something. If I want something, I'm going to go get it. Doesn't matter how crazy it sounds. Um, So I just decided for myself, I want to be on TV. I want to do electricity experiments on TV. I want to talk about engineering on TV. I want to show little kids, particularly little girls, but also little boys for them to see a woman um, doing these things, these technical things on TV. Um, So what I did is for my very first opportunity, um, I was, somebody reached out to me from the show Mission Unstoppable, um, which is hosted by Miranda Cosgrove. And they reached out to me because of my social media and they wanted me to do an Instagram live to celebrate um, 
I can't remember what it was, but it was like a particular holiday relating to STEM. And it was, I think it was going to be like two days before my wedding. Um, but I was like, no, this is a good opportunity because I need to like, I need to do this because I need to open this other door for myself. Um, so I did it. I was like literally in the hotel, um, with like my freaking wedding guests, um, like stealing their Wi-Fi, <laughs> doing the Instagram live. Um, and after I finished it, I emailed the person who reached out to me and I said, Hey, um, you know, like, I really believe in what you guys are doing and how, like, how does one get on your show? So she basically got me in touch with one of the producers and I had to do an interview. And then after that interview, I sent in a bunch of photos. Um, I sent in a bunch of like just different photos about my work, what I do. Um, I think we had a follow up after that. And then this was all during the pandemic. So it was really difficult to coordinate. Um, it kind of ended up just like going dry and didn't really have any communication for a while because they were also having a hard time through the pandemic, continuing filming and all of that. So I kind of was just like, all right, well, it didn't happen. Um, that's fine, I guess. I'll just try another way. And then I got an email saying that I somebody had canceled on them um, that they had already previously casted and whether I'd be willing to fill in. And I was just like, heck yes, sign me up. Let's do this. Here are the experiments I was thinking about, like everything's ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, so we ended up filming, I think three episodes, which they turned into four. And I, while I was doing that, I was also currently working with Netflix. Um, they reached out to me through a production company because they wanted to do a YouTube series, kind of like Mythbusters style for their Netflix shows and movies. So essentially we would take different scenes from Netflix series and movies and try to debunk them. Like, can we actually recreate this in real life doing scientific experiments? Um, which was another thing that was just so cool to be able to do because this one was a little bit different. It wasn't focused only on engineering or electricity. Um, it was things that were a little bit outside my comfort zone as well. So that one has been so much fun. Like we've done some crazy stuff. We, uh, we've gone through laser bases. Um, we shot like fireballs. Um, we have done uh, paintballing with uh, fake asteroids and comets. So it's been such a cool experience. And all of it really just started with me saying, I want to do this, so I'm going to do this. Um, and to this day, I still continue to get emails and messages from different producers who saw me on this show or saw me on that um, and want to cast for new projects. Um, like I said, I recently filmed for a new TV show. We filmed an entire season. Uh, it hasn't been announced yet, but that was another thing that was just so cool because this one was actually the most professional looking set I've ever been in. So I walked in and they had like those cameras that are mounted up all the way at the top. And then they had like three more cameras around oh and a green screen. And I was just like, oh no, like I girl boss a little too close to the sun with this one. <laughs> too close to the sun. <laughs> You're like, which camera do I look at? Yeah. <laughs> so 
kind of getting into the uh, Netflix in real life show, um, I was watching, I think it was the Squid Games one, and then also uh, the Meat Grinder project that you guys oh, yeah. did. But out of all the different scenes you've debunked, which one do you think is your favorite? Mm, I definitely think that, well, it's different because I have some favorite ones that are like favorite because of the outcome. Um, but then f I have some favorite ones that are favorite because of like how much fun it was to shoot. Um, so when it comes to shooting, one of the funnest ones was definitely the laser maze. Cause I'm sure all of us have seen that on movies and like TV and just thought like, could I actually do that? Um, so that one was so cool. I actually did a really good job, which I was impressed. Um, and another one that's my favorite is the the one where we were like shooting at asteroids and comets. Um, because basically we had like fake comets and asteroids made out of metal and made out of rock, made out of ice and all pressed together. And then we hung them up and we were shooting at them to try to test deflection techniques. It was for the Don't Look Up movie to try to see whether we could actually deflect it. Um, and so that one was so fun because it was also kind of related to uh, space. And there's also a mission that is doing something similar where it's actually going to shoot itself into the moon of an asteroid to see if you can deflect it. Um, so that was so cool for me to be able to work on like something that has a movie coming out about it, but also an actual NASA mission. Right. Um, but another one that was so fun to film is the Squid Game one, which is we did tug of war to see if the tricks actually worked. And it was so cool because they did. Like the way that we got casted uh, at first, I was like, okay, this is so unfair because my group, it was all like small people. And then the other group, they were tall. There was like a lady who's like a black belt in karate. Like, you know, they were super tall and muscular. Like, we were like, what the heck, guys? We're not, what is this? We're not going to win. Um, but the fact that we actually beat them with the techniques, I was like, okay, we're good. This works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to touch a little bit on, um, I know we've kind of moved into now your social presence, posting on social media, um, you know, representing STEM, you could say, in these different shows. Do you think it is important for young girls and young boys to have that representation in media? I mean, um, I was talking to someone the other day and they were asking me this question, like, how do we get more people who are watching TV or watching things on social media interested in STEM? Um, do you think posting shows like these is a good stepping stone? Yeah, definitely. I think that it's important, but also thankfully I've been able to see the results from my work because I have a lot of people who message me and tell me, I show your videos and your content to my kids. And now they're saying that they want to be engineers. They're saying that they want to work at NASA. My little girl is saying she wants to be a scientist. So by showing people about our careers and doing it in a really fun way that shows our passion and the excitement that we have for it, I think really is able to help a lot of these kids kind of see how excited we get about it and they get interested in it as well. Um, but particularly, I think it's really important for us to show 
a different phase of engineering and to show that you can still keep a lot of those things that you're interested in. For example, if you're more of a feminine person, that you can be feminine and be an engineer, that you don't have to sacrifice any of who you are for a career. And I think that's also what's really important with the work that we are doing, because we're showing them that they can be themselves and that a career is separate to who they are and who like how they want to look and and how they want to identify. Definitely. So you mentioned earlier that you spoke to your supervisor when you had a lot on your plate with, you know, your social media, with your schooling. um, And you were, you know, it seemed like you were very, it was very easy to talk to him or her about this. Does your social media content ever come up in the workplace? Like, do you have any coworkers that kind of see you on these shows or on Instagram and bring it up? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, So I actually had a few people walk up to me when I was at JPL, like on lab. And it was so funny because I think that day I had posted about having like, like a crisis. I was just freaking out about I don't even know what. Um, And I go over to the like snack store and I walk in and some guy walks in after me and he was like, are you are you cat? And I just looked at him. And I was like, trying to think like how do I know this person because sometimes I forget that like I'm out there in the world you know I just I can't really imagine someone knowing me unless I somehow know them um and I was like yeah like who are you how do I do I know you and he says um oh I follow you I love your content I hope you're feeling better I know you're kind of struggling with that crisis you were having and I was just like (laughs) oh uh, thank you um but yeah it got kind of it was interesting because I was hiding it at first um and not on purpose but just like you know I'm not gonna go up to my boss and be like by the way I have a social media following like it's not really something that ever (laughs) comes up until I had a co-worker who he was the one that basically would like take my photos when I was at work and like would help me with my reels and help me with my tiktoks um, he didn't know that my supervisors didn't know. And one time we were talking and he kind of just like brought it up, um, that I have, cause I have an assistant and we were having a meeting and he brought it up and he was like, Oh, why don't you just give this to your assistant? And my boss laughed cause he thought it was a joke. And I was just kind of like, mm, no, I do have an assistant. And he was like, why do you have like, for, for how, what do you mean you have an assistant? I was like, oh, like for my personal life, like outside of work, I have an assistant for like my emails and for um, my meetings and anyone who reaches out wanting me to do talks. And they're like, but how do they find you? Like, why are people emailing you? And I just said, um, well, you know, I kind of post some things online uh, just to help people out, just about what it's like to be an engineer and people kind of seem to like it. So yeah, it's, it's working out. And he was just like, okay, um, sure. All right. And I'm pretty sure he like went and Googled me after that. Um, then he started bringing up some of my like Netflix stuff and I was just like, uh, <laughs> this is weird, but also like, I guess it's fine. They were really supportive, honestly. Um, For example, when I was doing my Mission Unstoppable shoot, 
my boss was so excited and he was like, let me know as soon as this is going to air. I want to record it. I want to watch it. Aww. Please don't forget. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Speaking a little bit to the, um, you know, how uh, you interact in the workplace, being at NASA and being a woman specifically at NASA, did you ever face any challenges that um, were brought up because you're a woman or did you ever feel like people didn't take you seriously specifically because of your gender? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think especially when I first started and I was really shy and I was really afraid to speak up. When you're a new engineer, you kind of feel like you don't really know enough, right? So what is it that I could possibly bring to this conversation? And I would stay quiet a lot of the time. Um, but then sometimes I would have an idea and I wouldn't say it. And then a couple of days later, somebody else would be like, oh, why don't we try this? And then that's the course that they're not going to go down. And this person who thought of it two days after me is now getting the credit, which, you know, they should, because they did think of it. I didn't say anything, but that's kind of when things started to change mm -hmm. for me that I needed to, I needed to take myself seriously and I needed to take my worth seriously, because we are bringing a new perspective. Um, it is a good thing to have new people on a team and to have young people on a team, because a lot of the time engineers who've been working, especially when they've been on the same job for a very long time, they kind of get stuck in their ways and get stuck in their, in their way of doing things kind of like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but there's better ways to do it. So when you're new and you're young, you mm -hmm. don't really have any of those old habits. So you really do have a lot that you can bring. And there's a lot of new things and new methods that you can start implementing. So for example, my some coworkers and I decided to pitch a proposal for a new type of test equipment because we noticed that there was just a need for this type of equipment. It didn't really exist. And a lot of the current older engineers and people in charge didn't really see a need for it. Um, but we were, we were really passionate about it and we thought that it was really going to make a difference. So we created a proposal, we pitched it to uh, some of the missions and we actually ended up getting the proposal accepted by a mission who offered us $100,000 to work on it, hire some interns, develop it over the course of a year. We were able to successfully complete it um, and Today, it's currently being used at labs in Caltech and UC Berkeley um, to test instruments that are going to be used on the spacecraft. So it, that's something that I was a, actually a lead engineer on. And we had this idea. We were young. We were maybe naive and, you know, kind of just like, well, let's let's see if we can make something. Let's see if we can do something new. And it ended up working out. So don't be afraid of being that new person and of your ideas because they definitely are and can be really valuable. Um, this equipment is now part of the uh, suite of things that are offered by that group because it ended up being a success. And uh, basically other labs, other groups and uh, other universities are wanting it. So you kind of touched on this in that previous question or yeah, previous answer. Um, but I was just wondering, have you, you have such an impressive resume and just impressive experience overall. 
have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? Um, maybe a different scenario other than um, kind of second guessing yourself? Yeah, no, definitely I have, um, especially when I first started. I think that confidence is a skill. I genuinely believe that. I don't think it's something that you just have from one day to the next. It's something that you have to consistently work on along with uh, self-care and self-love and recognizing your worth and recognizing your value. All of that comes hand in hand because if if your mental health is not where it needs to be, then you're also much more, you're more vulnerable to maybe some more self-talk, negative self-talk, or perhaps negative talk from other people that you might start to believe. So when I first started working at JPL, I had a lot of those issues where I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't sleeping well. Um, You know, I was doing all-nighters all the time. I wasn't eating very well either because I thought that the time that I was going to take to eat was just going to be a waste of time. I needed to spend every waking second studying. And all of that really kind of came together to a lot of negative thoughts about my abilities. Um, Because I'm sure all of us can relate. I think I I, I made a TikTok about this a while ago where sometimes we're working on something for hours and hours and hours. And it's been, you're on the sixth hour and you can't figure it out. You don't know what's going on. You, you've already tried this, you tried that, you've tried that, and it's just not working. And you decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to sleep. You wake up the next day, you slept your eight hours, you have your breakfast, you think, okay, let's do this again. Within five to 10 minutes, you've already fixed it. And this is not like this has happened to me so many times where I think, oh, so I wasn't dumb. I was just tired. Um, So I think that when a lot of us are having a lot of these thoughts when it comes to imposter syndrome and self-doubt, the first thing we need to evaluate is are we taking care of ourselves first of all? And if the answer is no, then that's something we need to tackle first. But if we are taking care of ourselves and we're still dealing with a lot of these thoughts, then the next thing that we need to work on is that confidence. Um, And I think that confidence is something that you can work on, you can practice, and you can also build on it by kind of like what I mentioned before, acknowledging your wins, but also acknowledging those times when you felt so down and defeated that you were never going to make it out. And then you did. When, so once you have that track record of all of those times when that's happened, then you're able to reassure yourself with your own track record. So when I have those thoughts and feelings now, because of course I still get that sometimes, um, especially when I when I do new things, like a lot of these shoots, I show up and I don't know anyone, right? I don't know the, the team, I don't know the crew, I don't know the camera person, I don't know the director. Um, I don't really know how it's going to go. So I have those feelings a lot still during those moments, not so much anymore when it comes to engineering, because that's kind of like where I feel the most comfortable. But during these moments when I am uncomfortable and I'm around strangers and I have to like essentially perform in front of a camera and in front of a lot of people, I have to remind myself of that, that 
you know, I, I've done this before. Not only have I done this before, but I've done it well. Maybe I fumbled my way through the beginning. It's normal. It's natural. But you find your way. And that's what we really need to remember. That no matter what, eventually we find the way to get it done. That was another great episode talking with Kat. I think it's so funny because I feel like it's so common with women who major in engineering to just like have all of these different interests and like such a multifaceted personality. Like for example, you and I, we've always been like, okay, we need to start a business. Like what is it up with our personalities <laughs> where everyone feels like we need to constantly be doing things? Yes. I have so many failed business attempts. It's, I was actually talking <laughs> to my grandma about that today. <laughs> She's oh, like, remember when you tried to do this? And I was – and she's like, it just – you know, there was so much time that you put into that that you could have put into something else. And I was like, but I learned from it. It was a learning I, experience. I feel like we – I briefly remember in college that we tried to, like, start a skincare line or something. And you were like, we can send oh my it God, out for prototypes so many things. Hey, never say never. Maybe it's was- cards for us. Yeah, honestly, maybe. I mean, I got the design for the label. Yeah. <laughs> but uh- – but I think this uh, conversation with with Kat was so cool. I really like how she mentioned when she was, um, you know, still in the phase of looking for internships, how she took the initiative to, like, go out and learn the software that professional people were using in industry. Yes, that's that's definitely – that's awesome. I'm, I was trying to think during it, like, what I would recommend someone who is, you know, pursuing, like, a position in the medical device industry, what I would recommend – Honestly, uh-huh. we don't use too much. Maybe Minitab would help, I think. I would love yeah. to know that a little bit more. But I was just trying to think, like, what softwares I would recommend. But Excel, they I mean, everyone talks about Excel, but, man, my manager likes Excel and, like, tracking things. So I think I would mm-hmm. probably get a little bit better at data analysis in general, too. Yeah. I mean, we – I think if you're a mechanical engineer, an overall good one to know is CAD, and there are so many different – like tutorials um, on YouTube. I remember even when I was in college, I followed a tutorial on how to make a Coke bottle. And I think I like stayed in the lab like for two hours and like followed this (laughs) stupid YouTube tutorial. (gasps) Cute. Um, But I I think like, um, I know you mentioned Minitab and data analysis for your job. I mean, I think if someone wants to pursue something in project management, I would recommend they... um, learn more about Microsoft Project. Um, I don't know if it's free, but there are so many YouTube videos, so check that out. Where can our our listeners find you on social media if they want to follow you? If you were to follow me, you could find me on Instagram and TikTok at Engineer Lexi. And where would they find you, Libby? you can help her... (laughs) You can help Lexi pick out new purses and comment on her (laughs) St. Patrick's Day outfits. We're... (laughs) I posted like three videos. I'm trying to find my niche, guys. Let me look. It's all about, you know, the exploration, okay? Oh, we're exploring. I'm going to probably talk about what else next shoes. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh... um, if you want to follow me on social media, it's Libby Beyond the Label on Instagram and TikTok. And then um, the podcast, if you want to follow the podcast, Instagram and TikTok is My Best Friends and Engineer. And if you want to learn about <laughs> jeans in the freezer, go look at her TikTok. <laughs> Isn't that so I mean, dumb? It's so weird. 
<laughs> Next time I'm coming over, I, I'm I looking straight Brett. in your freezer. I'm going straight there. I'm going to say, is there ice cream or is there jeans? Some Levi's. <laughs> I, I texted Brett and I was like, everybody on the internet is making fun of you for putting your jeans in the freezer instead of just the wash like a normal person. And he's like, get me off of there. Um, but she will he's be like, hitting a hot... Uh, uh. It's funny. But Libby will be hitting 100,000 followers on TikTok soon, and she will be buying herself pearl earrings. So make sure you go check out her page. But yeah, so. Mm. Instead of the bags, I'm going to be showing off the pearl earrings and asking for which ones to get. Yes, we're so relatable. Look at us. Yeah, right? Um, Okay, you guys, we really appreciate when you leave five-star reviews and ratings because you know that we are awesome queens of STEM and you love relating to us every Monday. So make sure you leave us a five-star review, um, especially on Apple Podcasts. That's where we're going to be looking for 100 reviews to give away the Visa gift card, especially when you guys leave, you know, the written ones because then we get to read them off and just we all get to share the love yes so go check it out check out our facebook group link in the in our instagram bio and i think that's i think that's our spiel i think that's our show it's showbiz baby (laughs) and there's there's definitely a lag so we're definitely gonna screw up this little simultaneous outro oh yeah somehow there's a lag at the end i'm libby I'm Lexi. Thanks for listening to my best friends and engineer. Listening to my best friends and engineer. Oh, God. We had no chance. That was totally like... We had no chance. It was like... (laughs)